and we need to be hearing the things of God and in the presence of God, and we need we need to be focused. We need to be laser focused um, because we are living in pivotal moments. And if we disengage now, we just might miss some of the most pivotal moments that will ever happen in our lives. And you do you do not want to miss out. I just saw earlier a post by uh, Mario Murillo. For those of you that might know who that is, Evangelist Mario Murillo, he had put a post out and he had said something along the lines of, uh, he felt like we were moving into some of the most pivotal moments of our of our history as a people and a nation. And, uh, and I, I, I agree with him. We are, we are in pivotal times and we need to be very awake and very aware. All right. We're going to get into the word. I told Jesse, I said, just start the video, uh, when I start teaching and that way I won't have to edit quite as much to get it put online. So, uh, um, we are going to begin tonight and uh, we're going to get back into our study whether we finish it or not tonight, I don't know. It might be next week when we finish it, but uh, uh, we're moving through this. We're in Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter five, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 24. Galatians five, verse 24. As the last two weeks we've been talking about, or the last two Wednesdays that I've been with you, we've been talking about the concept of captured. That's been the series that we have been in as we've been talking about the fact that that the Lord has captured our hearts, or that should be what has happened to us. He has captured our hearts. And, and when he has captured our hearts, then um, we will be able to be what he has called us to be. We will never be doers of the word until, first of all, we are, we are being who he calls us to be. And the only way we will be who we are called to be is if he has captured our hearts. And so that's where we have been. I'm not going to backtrack. I'm going to just press on tonight because we got quite a bit still ahead of us. And so you can go back and catch up uh, on all of our social media platforms. You can get on iTunes and all of that stuff. And if you'd rather listen to the audio, they're all over, all over the place. You can find everything right there at riverlifechurch.com. Um, so you can catch up that way. So tonight we're in week number three of this series captured and it's Galatians chapter five, verse number 24, just three verses. And really, we're just focusing on two of those verses. But verse 24 says, and those who are Christ, look somebody next to you and ask them, are you Christ? Are you his? And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Just those two verses, 24 and verse 25, is really where we have just kind of jumped off from and went a little bit of uh, every direction we could go from there. But the statement that I've really focused on, early on we focused on the remainder of those two verses, but that very first statement in verse 24, and those who are Christ. That means you have been captured. Your heart has been captured by him. You are his. It is settled. 
It is a finished work in your life. His work has been completed in your life, and you are his. And once you are his, when you are captured and your heart is captured by him, then you will be able to crucify your flesh with its passions and its desires because of him. Then you will begin to live in the spirit. And if you live in the spirit, you'll begin to walk in the spirit. But all of that, before we can do the things God calls us to do, we have to understand how to be who God called us to be. And the only way that's going to happen is if we have been captured by him. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 1, Paul writes, and he says to them, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. I want you to catch that phrasing that Paul offers there as he calls himself a prisoner. He is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He truly has been captured. His whole life is now revolving around Christ. How many know if you are a prisoner, then your whole life revolves around that one concept that you are a prisoner? You realize that. So when Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ, he is saying there, I have been captured by Christ. My heart is his. My life is his. My entire life is now revolving around Christ whom I serve. And Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul writes, and he says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So not only is he a prisoner of Christ, but now he is a bondservant of Christ. He, he has relinquished ownership of his life unto Christ. It is now Christ. He would also go on and say things like, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. He would go on and say, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is just gain. See, he, he understood what it meant to be completely captured by Christ, that everything about his life revolves around Christ. One more, Second Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 5. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So not only now is his life wrapped up in Christ, but now his work and his cause and, his, and everything that he does is for the sake and the cause of Christ, for Jesus' sake. Do you, do you see the concept? Everything about us should be for Jesus. Our thoughts, that's why the word says in Philippians 4 and 8, think on these things, Right? And then he lists them off, what things are good and lovely and of good report and what things are pure. Think on these things. People say, well, I just can't help the thoughts that I have. Sure you can. I said, sure you can. If you're struggling with your mind, that's a heart issue. Get your heart right. Be captured by Christ. And then you'll have a desire to be in the Word. You'll have a desire to keep your mind on Him. And if you keep your mind on Jesus, the Bible says He'll give perfect peace to those whose mind is stayed upon Him. Amen? 
So don't, don't buy into the lie of the devil that says, well, I just can't help that. No, if you'll get your heart right, if you'll get captured by Christ in your heart and you'll get that desire for him and you'll realize your life is no longer your own but his and you'll get into the word and you'll walk in his presence and you'll look unto Jesus and, and you'll, you'll surround your life for the cause of Christ. If you will do that, then the thoughts in your mind are going to be his thoughts. His word will become a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway. Right? That this is, see, I know, I know what our world tells us today. I know what most in the church tell you today. Oh, you know, it's just such a rough world. And, you know, you're going to struggle and you're, you're going to do this. And some will even tell you, you just got to sin a little bit every day. That's not biblical. There is no truth to that. Now, the word does say, if you do sin, John writes that, if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is anointed, who has paid the price that you would be able to be free in him. If you do sin, you can come to him. You've got an advocate. But that is not just saying, oh, you just have to do it. No, no, no. We need to grow. We need to surround ourselves. If one thing in our generation is missing in the church that previous generations had and understood, it is that in previous generations, there was an understanding that everything about life of a believer should revolve around Christ and around the things that are Christ. In our generation... Even in believers, Jesus and the things about him are just additions to our life. And sometimes we choose to put him first. Sometimes on Sundays and maybe if we're really spiritual on Wednesdays, we'll choose to put him first. But then all the rest of the time, we do what we want to do. How many know that makes weak Christians? That's why we have... Christians that are just up and down all the time and in and out and carnal Christians, people that, 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 that are still babes needing the milk of the word rather than grown people needing the meat of the word. Come on now, are y'all, are y'all out there? I'm just, I'm just trying to be real with you. And so we've, we've got to understand that this is where that stems from. I, even as I was young, growing up, I, I don't know what, how it was for everybody else. I, can't, I didn't live in your life. I lived only in my life. So I, don't, I, know, I know not everybody had the upbringing I did, but I, I will tell you the upbringing that I had in the home that I was raised in, our whole, I mean, our whole life revolved around Christ and the church. It, I mean, it did. The people in the church, that we were constantly with the church. Amen. I've told you before, we, we, you know, our family, we were, we were at church every time the doors open. If they, if the church was open, we were there. And sometimes we were there when it wasn't open. I, I remember many nights, the families in the church, a few families would gather at the church just on off nights and would go into the church and they'd be playing music and singing and, and just having time. But it, it was just, it all revolved around something to do with God. Now, did I have a life? Sure, I did. I played sports and did all the same things as most other kids. I didn't do all the same things, but I did. I, you know, I, I did all the stuff that, that I could do there as well. But, but there was a priority given to surrounding life. And there's something about when, when that becomes the priority of life in a family, 
that things look different when that's the case. Life is different when that's the case. Amen. Now, I know not everybody had that. I, I understand that. But that still doesn't mean just because everybody didn't have it doesn't mean that it wasn't right. I think of Ron, I think often as of Veronica's grandparents. They were raised out in the country. And I mean, now, I thought our family was revolving around the church, but nothing like, like that family did. I mean, everything they did, they did, they, they was, that, it, that was their life. That defined them. I want to say this to us. Who we are in Christ should be what defines us. Not what we do for a living. That adds to it. Not the things we like in this world, that adds to it. Not the things we enjoy in this world, that adds to our life. But who we should be defined as is as followers of Christ. If our heart's been captured. Now, if our heart's not captured, then, then all bets are off. Amen. He captures our heart. That's, he's after your heart. And the Bible then goes on and tells us, if you believe in your heart, then you can confess with your mouth of what has been revealed in your heart, and then you're saved. You got to believe it in your heart, but you got to be a believer before you can be anything else. Amen. So we, we've been looking at this. And so last week we talked about, we, we came into the things that we need to be. We need to let God remind us who we are the things that we are now to be. And the first one we looked at last week was we, we are to be saved, to be reconciled. Before we can do anything for God, we have to understand what it means to be saved, to be reconciled unto the Father. Now, I'm not going to go back to that other than just to say this. We are God's redeemed people, and we need to be curious, hungry, and pursuing of this great salvation that we have been given in Christ. Amen. We should be more curious about our salvation and what that brings to us than anything else this world could afford to us. And we need to search that out. Number two, the second thing that we need to be, and we're going to dive into this now, and we're just going to go for a little while and then uh, stop where we stop. Second thing that we need to be, if we're going to be doers of the word, we have to be hearers, but we have to be first. And, and the second thing that we need to be that Scripture tells us a believer should be is this. We should be enlightened by the Word of God. We, we must understand what it means to be saved, to be reconciled, and then we must understand that, that what it means to be enlightened by the Word of God. And I'll even go one step farther than that. We need to learn how to be enlightened by the prophetic Word of God. Because how many know God's word is a prophetic word? It not only speaks of what has been, it not only speaks of what is right now, but it also speaks of what will be. Amen. And, and if we are going to be everything that God wants us to be, we need to be enlightened by the word, and this word needs to become prophetic to us. If you see something in this word that you are not right now, and, and Christ has captured your heart, then it's prophetic to you. And if you'll keep walking with the Lord, that's what you're going to become. How many see things in the Word that you look at and you say, boy, I'm not that right now? Scripture says I can be, but I'm not that right now. Well, then, then that's a prophetic word to you, that if you keep walking with Christ, this is what's ahead of you. Anything that you see in the Word of God that you are not yet living in the full fulfillment of and in the fullness of, 
it is prophetic of what will be as you continue to walk with him. Oh, praise God. That's some good stuff right there now. Can I just say that again? Because I'm not sure if we heard that. Anything you see in the word of God that you are not right now living in or living in the fullness of or the fulfillment of, anything you see in God's word that says you should be this, should be that, and you're not, anything you see that's not fulfilled yet in your life is prophetic as to what will happen in your life if you'll just keep walking with Christ. If you'll let him capture your heart, because he will not let you down. His word cannot fail. Amen. His word cannot fail. That means if God said something, that it's settled in him. The only thing that remains is will I live in faith to receive it? Will I walk in faith? Will I allow him to so capture my life that my life can become what he wants it to be? Can I give him my life in such a manner, in such a way that I can be exactly what he says that I can be in him? Amen. Now, if we'll hear that, there's something powerful there if you will hear that. Well, Pastor, do you have any scriptures that talks about anything like that? Well, sure I do. Good question. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1. Ephesians, chapter number 1, verse 15. Ephesians 1, verse 15. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So Paul's saying, I heard about your faith, how you love one another and love people. And so I'm, I'm, I don't, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And I make mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed for them. Prayed for those that have faith, those that love the saints that are living their life for Christ. Here's their prayer, his prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give to you, say to me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, somebody say no, that you may know, not that, not that you might hope for, not that you might just, well, it could be, that you would know, the word says, what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? That you would know these. You know what it means to know these things? It means that they are alive in you. That you are walking in them. That you don't just have a head knowledge but you have a life knowledge of these things. Paul's praying and he says, I pray that you would know these things. Amen. That your eyes would be open, that you would know the hope of your calling, that it's settled in Christ, that, that you would understand what the riches of the inheritance is for those that are Christ. And then I pray that you would walk in the exceeding greatness of his power. Amen. 
See, if we're not there, that's where we're headed if we're walking in Christ. That word begins to be prophetic to us. So when you read the word, don't just pass through the word. Read the word. Let it become prophetic in your life. If you're not there yet, understand it's prophesying something about you that can be. In Christ. Amen. Romans, or I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verse number 12 says this. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Because that's who Christ is. Be enlightened by the prophetic word of God. Psalms, the book of Psalms, the 43rd Psalm. You can just write these down and go look at them at some point. Psalm 43 and verse number 3. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Send out the light of your word and truth. Let it lead me. Do you see the prophetic nature of that? Let it lead me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you understand? He is the way at all times. But, but he's pointing to you what is possible in your life because of him, if you will allow it to be, if you'll walk with him. So, so be enlightened by the word of God. And understand what this word is saying to you. If God said it, he will do it. The question becomes, can we believe him for it? You know, that's the, that is the most powerful question in Scripture. If God said it, it's done. In his eyes. It's a finished thing. If he said it, if it's in his word, it, it's done. You have his word on it. How many know you have God's word on something? You got it. But the question is, can you believe for it? I can already hear people saying, oh, that's where I fall so short. We're like the man that cries out to Jesus. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Right? Anybody ever, ever prayed that? See, when we start talking about can you believe for it, that's immediately what comes into our minds. But do you know? Scripture tells us that God has given to you and me the measure of faith that's necessary to believe for whatever it is that he brings to us. Amen. Hmm. That's good stuff. If God said it, he will do it. Am I on your... Uh, okay, all right, you're all right, okay. I, I know... Uh, Sometimes it's hard when you're preaching coming up because I, I know sometimes the preachers ahead of you will get on your stuff. So I was just making sure I wasn't going too far there into her. her. His, his word has been given to us. How many know God gives a word in season? Scripture tells us that God's word is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Amen. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful Beautiful thing. 
And, and his word, when God gives it, it goes forward and it's searching for faith to connect with it. And at the right time, when faith connects with God's word, it works and happens every time. Amen. So we need to keep walking. And do you know God has given prophetic words to people all down through history? And the word led them and guided them and directed them. Abraham was given a prophetic word that he wasn't living in when he was given it. But because he believed God, it was accounted unto him unto righteousness, and he prepared a seed. Amen. Moses was given a prophetic word. His word made room for people to be brought into freedom. And the word Moses carried made room for the Messiah as they would build and build a tabernacle and make room for that picture. David was given a word, and he wasn't living in it at the time, but that prophetic word found faith in David, and a throne was established that was not only his throne, but would be the throne of the seed of David for all eternity, speaking of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isaiah was given a word that was a prophetic word that he had to have faith to believe for, and that word revealed things about Christ hundreds of years before Christ would come. Micah was given a word that would set a scene for the arrival of the Messiah that no one could imagine. Every word God gave was fulfilled at the right time. Noah was given a word about building a boat when it hadn't rained. Built on that boat for years and decades. And when it was finished... It began to rain. Come on. Are y'all are y'all hearing me? See, one word of God is all you need. Here's, here's what the you might want to write this down. Because when God gives you a word, then in the moments determined and the and the moments assigned, it comes. And then the result of the moment and the word and faith joining together does this. It does one of three things. The word given to us when we receive it by faith, the word either teaches us, it prepares us, or it produces in us. For people who have their heart captured by Christ, the word of God, as we let this word sink into our lives and into our hearts, and we let it, we let it permeate our being, and we begin to hear God's word and press into Christ, the word of God either teaches us something we need to know it instructs us or it prepares us prophetically for what's coming or it produces in us exactly what God says that it will produce the word is faithful heaven and earth may pass away but he said my word will remain forever it won't move amen he sends it out. Will he find faith on the earth? As it comes, if we will believe all, no wonder all things can be possible if we can just believe. You know why all things are possible, possible if we can just believe? Because this word's already been given, and this word is what makes everything possible. And we can live in it if we'll just believe it. Amen. All things. So we need to understand what it means to be enlightened by the word. 
if you're going to be captured, if you're going to be everything God's called you to be, to do all that God's prepared you to do, then you have to be saved, be reconciled, understand what that is. And then you have to be enlightened by the word of God. Amen. And understand there are parts of this word to us that are prophetic. God calls the end from the beginning. Have you ever looked at yourself and you carried a word from God and you've looked at yourself and said, Lord, that doesn't seem possible. That's because God's not speaking to your now. God's speaking to your destiny. God does see like man sees. He looks on the inside. And he already calls your future into existence. He speaks those things that are not as though they already are because in him they are. And we can agree with him. We can walk in that. We can, we can live in that. We can allow his word to teach us and prepare us and produce in us. But we have to be enlightened by this word. That's why, I, and I understand the concept of, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to read the word of God. But, but, and the only reason that's true is because the flesh is enmity with God and the flesh doesn't want us to read the word. And every time we get into the word and read the word, the flesh will try to put us to sleep or the flesh will try to bring up distracting things or, or, or the phone will ring or something will happen or some urgent thing will kick in because the word, the enemy and our own flesh does not want us in this word because the more we are in the word, he loses and the flesh is diminished. Man, so I understand that, but let me tell you, when you understand what the Word is, and you have been enlightened by the Word of God, you'll want to dig into the Word. You'll have an insatiable desire. Amen. I'm not going to go into the story, but I, I do, I've told you before, I was raised in church my whole life, and all of those things, and saved a million times as a kid. Uh, but in, high, in, in uh, the last year of high school at a youth camp, I made what I considered to be that final commitment to Christ. Now, I have failed him much since. And early on, I had a whole lot of growing I needed to do, and I would walk away and do stupid stuff like teenagers do, and, and uh, young Christians will do, and did a whole lot of dumb stuff that I had to ask him to forgive me. But at that, I'll, I'll go back to that moment, because there was something awakened in me in that moment that had never been that alive in me before. And I remember being in my room, and I remember having a desire to get in the Word to highlight scriptures and to write down things that I was seeing in the scripture. And, and that, that, that was the moment I feel like God captured my heart. And even though my flesh had a lot of work to do and I had to learn and grow and move through a lot of things, he had my heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when he has your heart, you'll want his word. And you'll become miserable trying to do things other than his things. You'll do them from time to time, but you'll be miserable because he's got your heart. He's captured your life. Amen. That's when the Spirit can convict us and say, why are you doing that when my word says this? It's because he has 
our heart. So we've, we've got to be enlightened by the word. The second thing and the third thing is this. We, we need to understand what it means to be made whole. W-H-O-L-E. We need to understand what it means. Do you know the scripture tells us we can be made whole? We can be made complete. That if we come into Christ, we do not have to remain broken. Oh, I wish people would hear that. I, w- I wish we would hear that because we're living in a world today that, that somehow tries to tell us that even when you make Christ your Savior, well, you're just still a broken person. I want to tell you, you may fight with things in your flesh and you'll struggle with those things until the Lord removes them completely out of your life as you walk with Him. But in Him, you can be made whole. I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer that in Christ, addicts can be made clean. And I'm a believer that when they're made clean by Jesus Christ, they don't have to call themselves addicts anymore. Now, I understand that, that the, the terminology is to keep them thinking so they don't get, don't get careless and go back into something stupid. But if you're walking in Christ, you don't have to worry about that. Amen. That's it. If you're without Christ, you are still an addict and you'll always be an addict. But if you are in Christ, the Bible says, I'm a new creature in Christ, and old things are passed away, and all things become new. And I don't have to say the words of what I used to be to keep me walking in the right path. I've got the Word of God now to keep me in the right path. Amen. Praise God. So, we need to learn to be made whole. And here's what, here's what uh, Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 29 and 13. He says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. With that, with that heart that is whole and complete, now you completely are searching after him. In fullness, in all, you're searching after him. That, there's, there's, something, there's something to that that I think if we're not careful, we, we, we miss that. Or, or let your heart be made whole and then search after him and seek after him with everything in you. Amen. Let's, let's look at another one. And we'll probably stop right here after this one tonight. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and I, after this be made whole, we'll, we'll stop. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and verse number 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. (laughs) Amen. Here is how you conclude it all. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's everything, his all. For God's going to bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or or evil. The way you understand you are made whole is if you are in Christ and then you begin to seek him with your whole heart, all that is within you, you are able to sum up the whole of all of this life in being obedient unto the Lord. Learn to be made whole. Learn to call yourself whole in Christ. Not, not in yourself, But in Christ, you are made new in Christ. Don't be afraid to speak that. I'm a new creature in Christ. He made me whole. He made me complete in him. I found the one who I had been missing that now in him I am complete. Amen. And and then in Ephesians 6 and verse 13, 
It says, then, now, therefore, you can take up the whole armor of God. So now you can take up in your life, you are with him, so we learn to be made whole, right? So he makes us whole by coming to Christ in faith, the finished work of the cross. And then he, he says, now seek me with your whole heart. Learn to be made whole. Seek him with your whole heart. Learn to sum up the whole of this life is obedience unto God, walk in his commandments, and then understand that now through Christ, we can put on the whole armor of God. Amen. Let's do one more. John chapter number five. John chapter number five and verses. Let's look at, let's look at verse one. Let's just skim down through this. John five, verse one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. So here we are. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well or whole of whatever disease that he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. And he said to that man, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made complete? And look what the man does. The man immediately starts giving him his excuses as to why he can't be. Amen. The sick man answered him, sir. He never even says right now. He never even says yes. Immediately. That's not even a possibility to be made whole to him. So he says, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps before me. So I don't have anyone to help me. Somebody else always gets the blessing before me. And Jesus said to him, well, rise up and take up your bed and walk. <laughs> there's, there's some great seemingly understatements in the Bible. Man's been laying there 38 years. I, I think it's because the power of the Lord is so far our under, beyond our understanding. We, the words don't even do it justice. The man's been laying there all these years, almost four decades, in this condition anyway. And we see him, and, and, and Jesus says to him, well, just rise up. Pick up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. Took up his bed, made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Immediately he was made whole. Jesus said to him, do you want to be made whole? Now, he did want to be made whole, but his excuses got in his way. Thank the Lord Jesus looked past his excuses and saw his heart and was able to do for him what he couldn't do for himself, what no one else could help him do, and, and what no one else could beat him to. He made him whole. And, and the Bible says when he got up, it was the Sabbath, and the religious immediately started telling Jesus, and started telling the man that was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> yeah. It's not happened that way before. You can't carry your bed like that. This is the Sabbath. 
you're supposed to be resting. And then they asked him, uh, he answered them, and he said, well, the one who made me whole, he said for me to take up my bed and walk. <laughs> Amen. And then they asked him, and they said, well, who is this that said that? They said, do you take up your bed and walk? And he said, but the one who was healed, he didn't know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn in a multitude being in that place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well or whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he was made whole in a moment. It's not a hard thing for the Lord. Well, but I've got this excuse, and I've got that excuse. But Jesus said, you and I can be made whole. And when he makes us whole, then we can pursue him with our whole heart. And when he makes us whole, we can sum up the whole manner of the remainder of our life by keeping his commandments and walking with him, revering him, honoring him. And when we are made whole, then we can put on the whole armor of God, and we can stand against the wicked one. Amen. How many of you want to be made whole? Ah, yeah. Don't make excuses. Let him make you whole. That's what he came to do. So, be enlightened by the word. And be made whole. Complete. Stand your feet with me tonight. Be saved. Be reconciled. Be enlightened by the word. Be made whole. Pursue him with everything in you. We've got a few more we'll go into next week. He's going to tell us some other things we need to be so that we can do because he's captured our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that is life-changing, life-altering. The word that is able to lead us, to teach us, to prepare us, that prophesies over us, that produces in us. We thank you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us in Christ Jesus. Died in our place. We could be made set free. We could be set free from sin. Now, Lord, make us whole. Enlighten us in your word. Teach us to be who you called us to be. Capture our hearts and let our life be yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen and amen. Go and get in the word and see what's in your future if you walk in Jesus. God bless you. You can be dismissed tonight.